It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. Today's guest has been writing songs since she was nine years old, and her debut album comes out in early 2024. She's also fought a lifelong battle with OCD, and in today's episode, she'll talk about her mental health journey and how it's helped shape the artist she is today. Welcome to the show, Nicole Sophia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, let's start out talking about um, kind of your career journey. I mean, starting at nine years old. Tell me about that. So I have always been super musical, which is kind of funny because I didn't really come from a very musical family, but I have always gravitated towards music. Like my grandparents tell the story that apparently when I was like two, I knew all of the deep cut verses to wheels on the bus and I could go on for like 10 minutes singing it. So music has always been a really important part of my life. And then uh, when I, whenever I had big emotions, I would find myself turning to music to work through them. And I actually, when I first started writing songs, I didn't know how to play an instrument. So it was just me singing melodies and writing lyrics. And I remember going to sleepaway camp and I had this camp instructor that put chords under one of my songs for the first time. And I was like, this is what it's like. This is what I want. This is amazing. And so getting a taste of that since then i have just been hooked do you remember what that first song was oh gosh i think it was about um it was something like don't stand on my shoulders to make yourself taller so it was essentially be like don't put me down to make yourself feel bigger we can all treat each other well that's pretty deep for you have you had such kind of deep lyrics and feeling in your songs yeah, I feel like I've always turned to songwriting to make sense of the world and especially like what I I listen to Glennon Doyle a lot and she talks about this thing called the messy middle and like the kind of the in-between parts of life that aren't clear cut all of the gray nitty gritty of the human experience I think is what drew me to writing because I've always been able to be really truthful with myself when I write and it's been this safe nurturing space for me so yeah they've always been pretty deep even when I was a kiddo yeah that's great and where did so after that when how did it kind of evolve into where you are now so I continued to write songs kind of throughout middle school and high school a little bit sporadically and I would perform them at you know open mics or with family and friends and I was performing throughout high school um but during high school I was really into theater and I actually thought that I wanted to be on Broadway. But even when I had my big Broadway dreams, always part of it was that I wanted to write and perform in the musical. I always wanted to write the songs. And then I was in college studying theater and we got sent home for COVID. And what I was doing for all of quarantine was just sitting in a shed writing music. And my godmom looked at me and she reminded me, she was like, Nicole, you've been doing this since you were a little kid. Like this has been your calling something that you've been drawn to since you were tiny you're coming back to your roots and when she said that my world kind of opened up and i was like holy shit you're right like this is completely true um and then i was just writing and writing and writing and i actually when i went back to school i added a major in music and i got super into theory and learning and i was learning how to 
produce and figure out things and trying to figure out how to put these songs out into the world. So then tell me about, so some of these songs that you have out in the world now, I know, talk about you've kind of, with your mental health battle, you've incorporated that into one of your songs that I just love, Samantha. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, story behind Samantha, I named my OCD Samantha because um, I was diagnosed when I was 10 years old after having really intense intrusive thoughts, including thoughts telling me to take my own life, which is terrifying at any age. I mean, it's especially terrifying when you're a kid and obviously like the adults in my life were alarmed and I got put in various forms of treatment for my OCD, but nothing really worked until I got the advice to name and befriend the voice in my head. So I got the name SAM, which stands for Scan Alert Mechanism from none other than neuroscientist Dan Siegel, because I just happened to meet him when I was 10 years old, which is kind of a god shot and very funny. But uh, Sam was a little bit too boyish for me, so I named my OCD Samantha. And being able to name and separate this voice in my head so that I knew like, oh, it's not me, it's Sam, um, was really helpful for me. And additionally, instead of pushing away that voice, starting to look at it with some compassion of like, oh, you're the part of my brain that is trying to keep me safe while your efforts in doing so are misguided. I can look at you with some compassion and in turn look at myself with some compassion and know that A, these thoughts aren't my fault and B, like it's coming from this place of a desire of care, even if it's misguided. Um, but I actually ended up writing Samantha almost a decade after I got diagnosed because um, I, while my super intense intrusive thoughts had kind of subsided with a lot of work that I'd put in over the years, I got into my first romantic relationship and my OCD just went off. It was obsessing about all the things that could go wrong. And I was like, this is supposed to be a nice, good thing. Why are you trying to ruin it? And then it reminded me of all of the things that I'd gone through with my OCD throughout the years. Um, but yeah, the line in the song that talks about, yeah, uh, she clung to my side during young love. That's about the OCD flaring up when I started dating someone. Um, and the other parts of it, like the rebraiding the hair, like I had a compulsion for a really long time where I had to fix my hair until it was perfect, or I had to go and lock all of the doors, or I had really intense fears of knives and all of these things that kind of incorporated into my OCD that I drew upon to be able to tell this story. You had a really, I love your Instagram and you said you'd go read that, that you wrote where you broke down kind of year by year thoughts. Can you share that with us? Yeah, of course. So in my, in my first post um, about the song coming out, I said, this song is for the 10 year old girl who was so scared of the thoughts in her head that she would contemplated taking her own life for the 11 year old that had to sit with all the household knives facing her at the dinner table for exposure therapy. For the 13-year-old who was so freaked out about suffocating in a snowbank that she couldn't enjoy snowboarding. For the 15-year-old who needed to sleep on her mother's bedroom floor because her mind was so scary she couldn't sleep alone. For the 16-year-old who compulsively prayed because she was convinced if she didn't, her family would get hurt or pass away. For the 18-year-old dealing with moral perfectionism every time she tried to make decision about school, sex, love, and art. For the 20-year-old who felt robbed of moments of joy in her first relationship because of the obsessive thoughts clouding her experience. For the 22-year-old who was constantly analyzing every decision she made as a young person because she was convinced if she made the wrong choice, karma would come back and ruin her life. For the 23-year-old woman who is still dealing with perfectionism and a harsh inner critical voice. 
This song is for every person with OCD, anxiety, or any mental health challenge that makes life hard, frustrating, and sometimes terrifying. I see you. I love you. Samantha is for all of us. It's just so beautiful. And it's just so, you know, vulnerable and brave of you, to, you know, to share everything. How, do, how does that feel to be open like that and, you know, touch everybody else that you're touching with these words? I feel really wonderful when I get to be open. I, I, so I grew up um, speaking on panels about learning differences. And when I first got diagnosed, um, I hid things because I was told to, and that never felt right. Cause I was like, there's this thing that like, knowing that I have this diagnosis, it makes my life better. It makes me be able to understand my brain. And um, I, <laughs> the best way to describe it is I've never been very good at being mysterious. Like I think one of my greatest strengths is that I am fully and completely myself and that I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I have realized that a, I'm just like, I'm fully bad at doing the other thing. Like, I'm not good at being coy. And B, I've gotten to experience that when I show up with so much authenticity, it gives so many people space to show up with their own authenticity. And also, like, it gives people space for even if they're not saying it, they can see themselves in me, what I do, things like that. Um, and it gives them more space to be themselves in the world. How have you, um, what would you say to people who are, you know, go, going through it like you as well, ways that you've, you know, found to cope with it, things that help you? How do you, what has been something that you're like, oh man, I, you know, I wish I knew this more and I want, I wish people, this would just help. Um, yeah, there are some, so I have two, two facets to this. Practical ones, sleep. <laughs> exercise eat that's like my trifecta like if i am freaking out i my first thing is my mental checklist i'm like when did i eat how much sleep did i get when did i move my body do i need to go for a walk like have i for me personally have i been being creative because if i'm not being creative in my life like things get pent up and i feel weird um and then on the more i mean i've done a lot of self-work a lot of therapy a lot of various things one of the things that's honestly helped me the most is having faith and it doesn't to me like it doesn't matter really what your faith or belief system is but like being able because i part of my ocd is trying to control every single thing in my life being able to be like hey i don't know what's up there but i know something's bigger than me can you take this and be in charge so that it's out of my hands allows me to let go a little bit in a way and just gives me more spaciousness. It doesn't mean that I like stop freaking out completely, but I get to go like, you know what? This is too much for me right now. And I need to give it over to something that's bigger than myself. And that the name for that thing that's bigger than me and my concept, my conception of it and the ways that it applies in my life has changed throughout my life. But that practice of, okay, I have to, I have to surrender and trust a little bit has been honestly a really big part of my recovery. Awesome. And then now going into make creating the song, Samantha, like what was that process like? So when I started writing it, I was sitting in a shed in Santa Barbara, shut down for COVID. And I was starting to play around with things. And I was having this OCD attack about my new relationship. And I just sat down and I started playing over these chords. And I was like, it has been the longest sleepover of my life. And I just thought about how long this voice has been in my head how much it's been with me and like i remember really trying to convey 
the frustration and impact that it's had on me and give myself and, and I guess other people that catharsis while also holding the compassion for myself and this voice of like getting to go on that emotional journey of like when I first have it and still today where sometimes I'm just like F you like I do not want this voice in my head right now and then coming back to this voice is a scared little kid in my head and it doesn't mean I am not utterly completely frustrated but I'm gonna hold it like that so I was sitting and it was multiple sessions of writing the song and drafting I'm big on um I feel like a lot of time when people tell the story of writing a song they're like yeah and I sat down and I wrote it in 15 minutes which <laughs> like sometimes that happens I've had songs like that but for me honestly a big part of my songwriting process is writing and then drafting and going back and like I care so deeply about lyrics so I'll go back and I'll refine lyrics really specifically and like how can I get the imagery how can I convey this in a way that is both beautiful and truthful and authentic and that's going to paint the picture and have the feeling flow like how can I say you know instead of I had to sit at the table staring at the kitchen knives what's a more interesting way to say that I promise the knives aren't invitations because that talks to the point of my brain that was saying that knife is an invitation to pick it up and harm yourself and that night like talking down that voice in my head or using the one of the things I had to do for exposure therapy was read the obituary pages so like orange juice and obituary pages like I had to sit there and do things like that so recalling all of those experiences to paint this picture um it's kind of what I sat through and I was literally uh workshopping wood shedding it um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah what a COVID man it's really <laughs> look at something beautiful that that came out of that process of that what you've had to go through Just yeah emotional roller coaster for everybody yeah and you have some other great songs tell me about those pancakes one of those days talk about those songs um, so pancakes, it's a song that, I mean, all of my songs are near and dear to my heart. Um, I wrote, I wrote pancakes, um, after having my first crush on a girl. So I fell really hard for my female best friend in college. And I had been questioning my sexuality for a long time and had been going through different phases and things of identity of trying to figure out how I felt. And I'd kind of written off my queerness, um, because I, I had a long time where I didn't feel queer enough, which I now realize isn't true. Um, but I had it pretty, I was pretty undeniable. Like I fell for her and I went, no, like you don't fall for someone like this if you're not attracted to them. So I fell for this girl and I wanted to tell her but I was so scared of losing our friendship that I like tiptoed around it. So I was like, hey, I think I'm pansexual. And I was hoping she was going to get the hint and be like, oh, she likes me. But apparently when you tell someone you're queer, it doesn't mean you're telling them that you like them. <laughs> but I ended up kind of cataloging that experience. And a part of the song was like working through my embarrassment and trying to figure out like what went on in my head of my attempt to tell her and why I didn't just tell her and then getting to the end of the song where I was like I meant to tell you I like you I clearly didn't do that correctly this is how I'm actually feeling like getting to work through again like that middle part of holy shit how do I feel about my friend what am I doing with this and the when I wrote it I didn't even think of it as necessarily a queer anthem I was just trying to answer the questions of what were going on inside me and then I was playing it live for people and people just kept pointing it out as a song that really celebrates like 
queer joy and authenticity and just the real process of falling in love. And it's made me really happy to get to share that as a positive representation of queerness within media and music. I love how you're just so open with all of your lyrics and all these, the self-discovery that you're going through. Like how does songwriting help you just continue to like evolve as a person and, and discover these things about yourself? I feel like it's the time where I'm most truthful. Like I don't, because I'm sitting there and I'm working through writing the songs myself, like I get to be as honest as humanly possible about being like, okay, what am I actually feeling? How do I sit with it? How do I turn it into words? Because like the thing for me is I have to feel all of my feelings when I'm writing, because if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to translate them. So for me, who I sometimes tend to get caught in my head, you know, OCD and all, <laughs> when I sit down to write, I have to connect with my heart and my feeling and I have to let there be space for the ambiguity. And while ambiguity is something that I sometimes really struggle with in my, my outer life, in writing, I find it to be something that's so interesting. So like, I love that I get to excavate and explore my experience. And like, the more honest with myself I am, the more fun I have writing, the more I get out of writing. And I've learned like the more other people get out of things. Because if I'm not honest with what I'm doing, it doesn't really serve me or anyone else. And one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books is from Letters to a Young Poet by Rania Maria Rilke. And it talks about like, if art doesn't come from a place of necessity, it's not going to be good art. So for me, whenever I sit down to write, it's because I have this question that I have no idea how to answer. And I'm trying to figure out how I feel, what it means, make sense of my experience. And then I sit down and I have this time and space to really figure it out and putting it into words and music helps me process my emotions. Like I've found out so much stuff about myself just from sitting down to write that I don't think I would have found out in other contexts or found ways to articulate things that I'd been holding in my heart that I wasn't even aware that I was holding. Like sometimes I'll sit down and I'll start playing chords over and I won't have an idea of a song to write in my head and lyrics will just pop out and I was like I had no idea I was feeling that way but apparently I needed to get that out and those turned out to be some of the most interesting songs. And then how did you find you have these great lyrics and how did you find your music style to to match that? Do you have influences or did that just come to you as well? So I think my music style started with the people that I was listening to. So I grew up listening to people like Sarah Bareilles, Colby Calais, uh, early Taylor Swift. Um, I also grew up listening to classic rock. So like Bruce Springsteen, I later influences in my life. Joni Mitchell has been such an important influence for me. Same with Hosier, um, people like Florence and the Machine. Um, anyone that I feel like really hones in on their I mean, I'm big on lyrically driven things, but like, I guess musically, it was the chords that I'd started learning how to play when I was learning these pop songs um, growing up. And then from there, I started, you know, I started with really simple things. I started with like the classic pop chord combination of, you know, one, four, six, five, you know, which is a pretty common, like there are thousands and thousands of amazing songs of that combination. And I started playing around with that. And then I was like, oh, I'm kind of bored with this combination. What other songs do I know? So I kind of started learning guitar 
by necessity of, oh, I really want to play this song and I need to learn this chord. So I'm going to look up how to play this chord. And then the older I got and the more I learned, the more I was diving into more detailed ways of playing guitar, expanding my vocabulary, essentially musically, to be able to create more interesting things. And now you just got back. You've been in Nashville for a while, studying yeah. music, working on your mu music. Yeah. So I moved to Nashville to work for a music producer. It was a big leap of faith thing for me. I moved all the way across the country. I was actually, it was, uh, I was pretty freaked out because I had just gotten out of college and I didn't really feel like I had a support system or a safety net. And I was like, I need a job working in music ASAP. So I found this producer who I really admired and he said he would let me work for him. It actually didn't end up working out which uh, freaked my brain out. But I also having been in Nashville, I know it is exactly where I was meant to be for the time that I was there. Cause there were so many things that I needed to learn about myself that I was looking to explore that Nashville provided this amazing backdrop for. Like Nashville has an incredible queer community, which if you had asked me if there was gonna be an amazing queer community in the middle of Tennessee, I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's one of the best queer communities in any city that I've ever been in. It has an amazing dance scene, which I got to explore that part of myself and, you know, get to really enjoy that. And there were all these things of, it was also like my first year really living on my own adulting. So I've been describing it as like my freshman year of adulting. And I just, I've gotten a lot more confident and self-assured and gained a lot more trust in myself which is both due to lived experience and having a really good therapist in Nashville. Um, and I just think it really served me to be there, even though it's not at all what I thought it was going to look like. Yeah. It's funny how those life gives us those little gifts, you know, I love that. Sure. Take you down a path and you are like, Oh, I get, I get why that part came into my life. <laughs> now you're back in Santa Barbara and you just signed with a new label. Tell me about this. Yes. So I got to sign with an indie label called Voracious. I'm actually their first artist, which is so exciting for me. Um, I, when I was looking for a label and like manifesting it and putting it into the universe, what I said is I really want it to be a win-win situation. I want it to be a situation that cultivates my truth and authenticity where I'm championed as an artist that's really in service to me and my career. And like that's in service to everyone involved. And I've loved getting to be part of Voracious because instead of having to do everything by myself, I have a team, which is amazing because now it does not feel like the entire world is on my shoulders. Um, and also I've loved getting to have them encourage my true expression, like to get to have them be like, hey, let's make sure everything you're doing is really, really reflective of you. We wanna bring you forth has been so wonderful. And I've heard stories of other people talking about how labels have kind of almost tried to set themselves aside. And I feel really grateful and fortunate that I, exactly as I am and being championed, loved and supported for my music. That's so important. Like having a great team and the people that we surround ourselves. It's so good. Good for you for manifesting that and putting that out there. So tell me you're going to have a new album coming out in early 2024. What can, what are people going to get? So my new record, Reveal Your Heart, it's going to drop January 12th, 2024. Um, it, I've been describing it. It's like my Essentially, when I was writing this album, I was answering all of the questions that I had in my late teens and early 20s of just trying to figure out how to navigate life. So I was trying to figure out like what my values were around sex and hookup culture, trying to figure out my identity, trying to like 
the feelings that come up when you look at the lives that your friends are living versus the life that you're living and you're like oh should I be living like that or what do I want to do and you look like you're having fun but I like the way that I'm living my life and the choices I'm making um it talks about my journey with mental health and discovering more of my sexuality it touches a little bit on my experience of um my very complicated family dynamic it talks about um my experience learning how to show up as my fullest most authentic self especially whilst in the process of being like i have no idea who that is and how do i show up authentically when i am still very much trying to figure out what being authentically me means and each song is kind of asking a question around that i mean my last single that's coming out before the album release is called small talk and it's essentially about i noticed that i was telling all of these story kind of i was telling these very carefully crafted stories about myself that presented authenticity and so i so like that i thought were like showing they like look i'm so cool and unique and quirky and all these things instead of like actually chilling out and letting people see me and when i had that realization i felt so dysphoric so i was like okay what does it mean to show up actually as me not in a performative way and what does it show up and mean to be emotionally vulnerable? And then I was like, okay, I got that. And then I fell in love for the first time. And I was like, oh, I so don't got that. It is way not, <laughs> like it's so much harder than I thought to show up and let someone love me as I am, even when it's, you know, messy and complicated. And it's just the arc of all the things that I was going through and my own Kind of internal process navigating those things and they all turned out to be these really wonderful songs that i feel like highlight that time of life really well i have a feeling there's gonna be so many people so many of us <laughs> out there that relate and are you know going through things like you so it's so wonderful for them to have this gift and be able to like have you have you share your journey with them as well yeah, I mean, I really hope it's helpful. I wish I had had songs like that growing up. I mean, like I had the songs that I listened to to help me get through those times. And I feel really grateful to get to contribute to maybe having a song that supports people in those circumstances or even just having the song that, you know, people frolic across campus to while it's in their headphones like that just brings me so much joy. Now, I know you're a manifester and a goal setter. And so where are some of the places that you envision you want to see yourself playing sometime in your career? Oh, I mean, to start with, we're talking Santa Barbara, a hometown show at the Santa Barbara Bowl makes my heart so happy. And I am so excited when I do my little meditation visualization and getting to like hear the crowd sing back to me in this venue that's meant so much and get to be like, I busked on State Street and now I'm here is something that would make me so happy. Um, I really want to play an NPR Tiny Desk concert. So look out for that in the near future. Um, big moments like getting to play Madison Square Garden, um, more near future things. I really want to play a tour of college campuses. I think it'd be so great to go and, you know, get to sing these songs to people that were the age that I was when I wrote them and hopefully connect with them like that. Um, playing, you know, tours in North America and hopefully world tours after that. Um, I would love to host and be the musical guest on SNL. I feel like my theater kid self would thrive with that. Um, but I think my fullest, like if I was to condense the essence of the goal is I would love to have 
a prosperous, abundant, fulfilling life with a music career that is also prosperous, abundant, and fulfilling, and to be of service to the world with my music. And in that, I trust that all of these amazing experiences that I want to have will happen. I love that. It's so, just so well put. I feel like you are so focused and just, you're going to create it. You know, I can just tell with this energy and what you're, you're manifesting. So good for you, good for you for putting that out there. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Since we talk switching gears a little bit on you here, we talk a little bit about travel and adventure out here. And I, Santa Barbara is one of my favorite places. It's so beautiful. But I want to know coming from you, you know, a local, where are the spots that somebody going to Santa Barbara has to check out? It could be, it could be food. It could be beach, any, any place, the places you love. Okay. Starting with food, best fried rice and gluten-free fried rice. Cause I am gluten-free much to my chagrin, but, um, <laughs> best fried rice the blue owl they also are a great live music venue and it's just like the whole vibe of the place is fantastic they're an amazing healthy so tasty restaurant plus they're open until like 2 a.m on saturdays so it's always every time i have a show downtown and it gets out late i'm like we're gonna go get fried rice at the blue owl um as far as the i mean you have the mountains and the beach in santa barbara so um one of my favorite hikes there's a hike to the hot springs and it's so great to do i mean you go up this beautiful hike i would say the hike is probably like two miles and you get to sit in these natural hot springs that there are people talk about the healing properties of the water and whether or not you believe in that i definitely do but if you don't it's still a really lovely experience you're surrounded by nature and it's so gorgeous um I've hiked it both alone and with friends and both experiences have been great. Um, if you're wanting to check out the beach, obviously there are great surf beaches depending on your level. You have to, you're at the, the whim of the ocean, but like most of the beaches in Santa Barbara are beginner beaches. So they're really good to learn on. I think I first learned how to surf at Ledbetter, but one of our favorites when there's not sharks um, is Padaro, which sometimes you just have to be more careful there but i've also gotten to like surf surrounded by a bunch of dolphins at that same beach so you'll figure it out but i guess those would be my big um recommendations and you go you got to check out state street there's always going to be people busking i busk down there sometimes too um and of course if i'm playing when you're in town you should totally check that out (laughs) For sure. <laughs> Those are great tips. I got to say one of my favorite, um, I used to love McConnell's ice cream there too. Those oh. ice cream. And I was so excited because I used to get it every time I was up there. And we finally, we have one now in Studio City down here. So I'm like, I just went there this week. I'm like, oh, and it brings, it's such, it's so good because not only is it delicious, but then it reminds me of Santa Barbara. So like, oh, McConnell's is amazing. It's always a line. <laughs> oh, of course. Thank you for those tips. And thank you so much for sharing everything about your journey and your music. Just huge congratulations to you. And I just hope you so much success and good luck with the album. We can't wait for the album to come out in January. Tell everybody where, how they can follow you, how they can get your songs, where they can listen to you. Give them all the goods. Okay. Amazing. So my social media handle on, I think everything except Twitter is just Nicole Sophia music. So it's Nicole with no H Sophia with a PH. Um, and it's just no spaces, no anything, Nicole Sophia music. Um, my website is also Nicole Sophia which will have the master link to 
all of my social media. It has um, ways for you to see when I'm playing near you. So there's this thing called Bands in Town, which if you follow me there um, and you just type in Nicole Sophia to Bands in Town, it'll show you when I'm playing in your area. It'll also let you actually request a show in your area, which is really cool. So if you get enough people to request a show in your area, I will totally come play wherever you are. Um, additionally, if you check out Bandcamp, that's the best way to support me as a musician because all of the money goes directly to me, especially on a Bandcamp Friday. So like if you buy my song for a dollar, that dollar is actually going to me as opposed to um, like Spotify, I get like 0. 0.0002 cents, which not to knock Spotify, I listen to a bunch of music on Spotify. Please listen to my music on Spotify or wherever you stream it. But if you want to do a little bit more to support me, you can check out, I think you can pre-order my album now actually on Bandcamp and you can get merch. We have all these really cool shirts. Um, my graphic designer did such an amazing job to the to the point where my friend was like, these shirts are so Nicole coded, it's amazing. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanna hear. So we have shirts and stickers and all that stuff. Um, and you can follow me on YouTube. I mean, I have I have all of the social media as is, as is what needs to be done as a musician today. But if you want the master link of where to find it, check out my website. So everybody get on there, request her to come play a song in your town. How awesome would that be? <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I really loved getting to be here. Awesome. And thank you all for listening. And you can follow along with Tom Girl, Tom Girl everywhere on Tom Girl TV, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. So give us a follow and please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. So we will see you here again next time and get out there and find your adventure. Tom Girl.